Helios. I trust that scratch hasn't made you useless. Hardly, my lord. It's just an eye. God so fit to grace me with a spare. My captain. Curses the gods and mourns alone. Leonidas! We are undone. Undone, I tell you. Destroyed. Daxos, calm yourself. A hunchback traitor has led Xerxes' immortals to the hidden coat path behind us. The potions you posted there were scattered without a fight. This battle is over, Leonidas. This battle is over. When I say it is over. By morning, the immortals will surround us. The hot gates will fall. Spartans! Prepare for glory! Glory? Have you gone mad? There is no glory to be had now. Only retreat, or surrender, or death. Well, that's an easy choice for us, Arcadian. Spartans never retreat. Spartans never surrender. Go spread the word. Let every Greek assemble know the truth of this. Let each among them search his own soul. And while you're at it, search your own. My man will leave with me. Godspeed, Inadis. Children! Children! Gather round. No retreat. No surrender. That is Spartan law. And by Spartan law, we will stand and fight. A new age has begun. An age of freedom. And all who know that 300 Spartans gave their last breath to defend it. Welcome, West End Fellowship and the online community, whether you're catching us through our website, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, or Audio Pack Podcasts. Today, we will start reading from Judges 6, 25 through 40. We are in the version uh, Bible app available in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. You can follow along, take notes, and reference the Bible during the service. We have daily bread devotionals on the back table for March, April, May. Feel free to pick one up if you haven't done so already. And um, we have offering plates available on the back table for those that choose to give today. If you, if you prefer to give online, you can do so through our website at westendfellowship.org or through the Church Center app. 
And if you prefer to text, you can do that by texting the amount you want to give to 84321. Okay, that night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on, on the top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, uh, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that, that had been built. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Yerubel. Uh, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they, they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet, meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so, when he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test 
just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And, and God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece, and on, and on all the ground there was dew. Let us pray. Lord, we come into your presence today and acknowledge that you are the one true God, and there is none above you. Work on our hearts and give us the hope and faith that can only come from you. We, we welcome you into our hearts to hear your gentle whisper, and may your word burn inside our souls. We, we give you all the glory and worship your mighty name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, in the movie 300, Leonidas is faced with an impossible situation. His forces are about to be surrounded, and the only choices he has is either to retreat, surrender, or die. So he tells his troops, prepare for glory. What an attitude. What a way to look at a difficult situation. He says that the, that the choice is easy because Spartans don't retreat and they don't surrender. What if we had uh, that type of view and uh, determination? What, what if we had that type of faith? We are children of the Almighty God, and the victory is already ours. A retreat and surrender is not an option. We, we are in a series titled 300, where we are exploring God's 300 led by a man by the name of Gideon. Unlike Leonidas, Gideon did not have strong faith. The, the book of Judges uh, in the Bible is a historical account of the Israelites' journey from the death of Joshua to the establishment of the monarchy in Israel. Uh, it is a story of how God delivered his people uh, from their enemies uh, despite their disobedience and unfaithfulness. Oh, one of the most famous stories uh, in in the story um, in Judges is the story of Gideon, a reluctant hero God chose to deliver Israel from the Midianites. The story of Gideon takes place during a time when the uh, Israelites were being oppressed by the Midianites. God called Gideon to lead his people to victory, but Gideon was hesitant to accept the call. When we last left Gideon. He asked for a sign that, that God is with him, and God responds by consuming a sacrifice with fire. However, Gideon still doubts and asks God for another sign. This time, Gideon uses a fleece to test God's will. From that, I want to talk to you from a sermon titled, A Fleece of Faith. Judges 6.25 says, That night the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull Yep, so that night the Lord that night the Lord said to him. So what night 
the night the Lord had revealed himself to Gideon after uh, he sacrificed on the altar he had built. Gideon had sought a sign from God, but now God seeks a sign from Gideon. Or better, God tests him to strengthen his faith. Take your father's bull uh, and the second bull, seven years old. Uh, to destroy the, uh, the shrine, Gideon is told to employ uh, a bull, the sacred animal of the fertility cult. Uh, before God gives his servants uh, great victories in public, he sometimes prepares them by giving them smaller victories at home. See, be, before uh, David killed the giant in front of two armies, He learned to trust God by killing a lion and a bear in the field where nobody saw it but God. 1 Samuel 17, 33-37 says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine uh, to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Got this on there twice. Okay. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose, arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. When we prove that we're faithful with a few things, God will trust us with greater things. He, he says, take your father's bull and a second bull uh, seven years old. Re- remember, the number seven means completion. So, so the father's bull represents a generational curse, and a, the seven-year bull is a sacrifice of completion. Some of you may be suffering from a generational curse. Uh, I'm this way, uh, the way I am, because my mother or father was an alcoholic. I'm, I'm the way I am because I was abused as a child. Uh, I'm poor because I, I come from a family of poverty. I am a sinner because my father was a sinner and his father was a sinner before him. But Jesus came to die on the cross to break generational curses. He came uh, to save you so you are no longer under the curse of Adam. Uh, He came that you might have life and have it abundantly. On the cross, he said, it is finished. he, He is the author and finisher of our faith. The Lord says, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. We need to understand 
the, the context in mind. These are God's people who recited the Shema, uh, proclaiming their love and devotion to one God, Yahweh. And yet, uh, now what is Israel doing approximately 222 years after they entered the promised land? Instead of tearing down pagan altars, they, they were building altars to no gods. Uh, be careful when you start to drift away from God, for you may end up much further from him than you ever dreamed possible. These are the people who have access uh, to the Most High God, and they are building large altars to nothing. The Baals and Ashram are both incredibly sensual and seductive to our fallen flesh. Uh, no man or woman is, is immune to the, to the siren calls to seek gratification. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit uh, uh, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Lord goes on to say, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. Now, Gideon's name literally means hacker, uh, and it is derived from the root word uh, gada, which is translated in this verse to cut down the Asherah. Asherah signifies the, the Canaanite fertility goddess believed to be the wife of Baal. So, so, the, uh, so the worship of Baal and Asherah were linked together. The Asherah pole symbolized uh, the fertility uh, uh, supposedly provided by, by the goddess Asherah, who, uh, who was viewed as the mother of the gods. Clearly, God wanted to tear down the idols and did not want them to return. He wants to take away the sins of your past and does not want them to return in your life. Repentance literally means to turn away from, uh, and yet we, we tend to keep going back uh, to the life that has snared us. In Judges 6.26 the Lord goes on to say, And build an altar to the Lord uh, your God on the top of the stronghold here, with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold in an orderly manner. So, so after Gideon was commissioned, his faith is tested. You must remember that the tests God sends or allows in your life are not to destroy you, but to strengthen you for the good fight of faith. Stronghold means refuge or a place of safety. Gideon had to first put things right in his own backyard before God would use him to deliver Israel. Before God will use you in his holy service, you have to be holy. You need to cut down the idols in your life. 
Are you being used by God? Do, do you sense his presence? Or you, you might have a root, a root problem with idols in your life and you need to cut them out. The Lord said, take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. Now, isn't it interesting that the Midianites' oppression had lasted seven years, and, and the bull to be sacrificed to God was also seven years old? Baal must go before Midian can go. God, God's altar is not allowed besides, uh, besides Baal's altar. The two cannot exist. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There, there can be no uh, worship acceptable to God until we remove the false altars uh, from our hearts and lives. But it must begin in our own backyard. Gideon was an unlikely candidate for God's Hall of Fame, uh, but is listed among the greats in the book of Hebrews. When God called him, he was hiding. When, when God spoke to him, he raised problems instead of trusting promises. Uh, one of his favorite words was if. Now, do you know anyone like that? What if I tithe and don't have enough money to pay the bills? What if I talk to this person about God and he hates me? What if I do a kind gesture and he's not thankful? Or what if I, I witness to someone and I'm, I'm the one that causes him to not get saved? What if God is telling me to embark on this new business venture and it fails? There are so many uh, what-ifs, but what if God is who he said he is, and he is with me? When, when Gideon uh, did start to obey God, he, he worked at night uh, and, and had to have repeated reassurance that the Lord was with him. But God saw the potential in Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor. God sees potential in you and says to you, as he did to Simon, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter, the rock that I will build this church. He knows your weaknesses and, and will accommodate himself to your needs so that he might develop your faith. Some people might fault Gideon for uh, tearing down the altar at night because of fear. But we must not lose sight of the fact that he did obey the Lord. He, uh, his fear did not stop him from being obedient. All of us have fear, and fear in and of itself is not necessarily wrong. But when it keeps you from obeying the Lord, it has become an obstacle to faith and his sin. Even though Gideon's uh, action was carried out at night, the truth still came to the light. Verse 29 says, And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, 
has done this thing. Now, you might think that you can do things in secret, but the light inside you cannot be contained. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Then the men of the town said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die. Their commitment to idolatry was so deep that these men were eager to, to kill the one who destroyed the altar of Baal. Israel's um, thinking was upside down, for, for according to God's law, uh, it was the idol worshipers who should have been slain. Here, in the name of a corrupt God uh, who had only reaped defeat and oppression for them, uh, they were ready to kill Gideon. How twisted our perspective becomes when we stray uh, from the living God and seek uh, after gods who are uh, really no gods at all. Joash, Gideon's father, had every reason to be angry with his son. Gideon had smashed his father's altar uh, to Baal and replaced it with an altar to Jehovah. Uh, he had sacrificed uh, his father's prized bull uh, of uh, uh, and had used the sacred Asherah pole for fuel. But God worked in Joash's heart so much that he defended his son before the town mob and even, uh, even insulted Baal. What kind of a God is Baal that he can't even defend himself? What kind of a God is Baal that he can't even uh, um, plead his own cause? His idols can't defend themselves. Joash's incredible transformation must have been stirred by his son's act of loyal devotion to the Most High God. He said, listen, uh, what, what you are doing is blasphemy. If Baal really is a God, he does not need you to defend him. If he cannot defend himself, he is not worthy of worship. If he is really uh, God, Gideon will be struck dead. It was a basic lesson in Baal theology. So, so, there, so here, the, the one Gideon feared most had become his greatest ally. How often it is true that our obedience to the Lord Jesus can, can do great things in the lives of the most unexpected people. Uh, people whose reactions uh, we fear are often the first to respond when they see the reality of our commitment to Jesus Christ. Judges 6.32 says, Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Yerubel, that is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he broke down his altar. A name change reflects a change of character. Gideon's new name became a constant reminder to all those around him of God's power and Baal's weakness. Uh, and now every time they saw Gideon, they were reminded of the power of God and, and the weakness of Baal. 
God frequently changes names of people when there is a change of character. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Solomon to Jedediah, Saul to Paul, and Simon to Peter, just to name a few. Gideon learned a valuable lesson that day. If he obeyed the Lord, even, even with fear in his heart, the Lord would protect him and receive the glory. Before Gideon could be the deliverer of Israel, he had to be the destroyer of the false god Baal. It is the same for us. Before we can have victory in our lives uh, over the sins or problems or habits that are defeating us, uh, Jesus Christ must be the unquestioned Lord of our lives. There is no victory when there is uh, idolatry or a divided heart. There can be no compromise if we desire to know know the uh, Lord uh, at work in our lives. So what is the bail in your life? Whatever it is, it must be chopped down before God will deal with the Midian in your life. So once this happened, the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon in verse 34. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abizrites were called out to follow him. The Hebrew and the Greek states that the Spirit literally clothed him. The, the human agent became the outer appearance through which the Spirit worked. A, a trumpet blown by a man who, who before would not even crawl out of the wine press to thresh his wheat is nothing short of a miracle. Before the Spirit clothed him, uh, he was fearful, but now seems to be filled with boldness and courage. Then there, uh, there were men who responded who not long before wanted Gideon's head on a platter. God can turn the hearts even of idolaters and persecutors. What does it mean to be clothed? Clothed in the Spirit. It it means to be laid around someone like a coat of armor so that he becomes invisible. In preparation for battle, the Holy Spirit surrounded Gideon so, so that he becomes invisible. The moment you believe, you become invisible to God in in the sense that you are robed with Jesus Christ, clothed with him. That's why God can pour out everything on you, because he's pouring it out on Christ. That is the great great truth of our salvation, that, uh, uh, that uh, that I am he and he is one. Now, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Although the Holy Spirit had come so powerfully upon Gideon, 
he was still very weak in faith. Who wouldn't be? Grace does not delete or destroy nature. When God comes into our lives, he takes the temperament uh, which he has created and, and begins to refine and empower, empower it. God wants to maximize our effectiveness and deal with our weaknesses, but uh, it, is, it is often his way to keep us uh, conscious of, of the fact that uh, those weaknesses do exist so, so that we depend on him, not ourselves. He knows how readily we lean on our own imagined resources and, and think that we can cope without total dependence on him. Verse 36 and 37 says, Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, Behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Doubt is like a fence that separates two worlds, the world of uncertainty and the world of possibility. Doubt can create a barrier between the unknown and the potential. When we doubt ourselves or our abilities, we may feel trapped in a world of uncertainty, unable to see the opportunities that exist beyond our doubt. However, if we can overcome our doubts and take a leap of faith, we may find ourselves in a world of possibility where anything is achievable. Doubt is a hindrance to our progress, and we must strive to break down the fence that separates us from our potential. Gideon was not the only one who asked for signs that God would complete the work he promised he would carry out. God turned a staff into a snake for Moses. He made a shadow go back ten steps for Hezekiah. And in Gideon's lack of trust in God's word, uh, we see the infinite compassion of our Father, for, for he knows our frame, he knows the beginning from the end, and he meets us where we are. Psalm 103, 13 through 14 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Now we all exhibit this Gideon-like tendency from time to time. Uh, some more than others, for our spirits uh, may be willing to believe him, but our flesh is weak. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now Jesus is telling his disciples to stay alert and pray so that they do not give in to temptation. He acknowledges that while the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak and susceptible to sin. It is 
imperative that we stay vigilant and relay, rely on God's strength to resist temptation and overcome the weaknesses of the flesh. Gideon's problem was not one of lack of knowledge or a need for more knowledge, but it was a lack of faith and obedience. Believers do not need a faithless fleece approach uh, to God's will, but a fleeceless faith approach. Gideon was not truly seeking to learn God's will because that had already been revealed to him. So why the fleece test? He put out the fleece in, a, in an attempt to strengthen his weak faith. A, a strong faith would have accepted God's declaration without needing any additional substantiation. Clearly, Gideon had some degree of doubt about God's promise. Gideon's doubts uh, might have included thoughts like, does God really want me to lead the army? Uh, what do I know about warfare? So Gideon already knew God's will, uh, but, uh, but sought another sign to confirm it. Uh, his faith had been eclipsed by fear. Matthew 16, 1 says, and, and the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So requests for signs are often the product of unbelief. The Pharisees' request for signs was equated with testing Jesus, and we are not to test the Lord, as we see in Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Gideon was actually putting God in a box, telling God what to do, what conditions had to be met before he would obey. Gideon broke his promise to God after refusing to believe uh, after the first sign and requested a second. God's response in granting his request does not imply God's approval, but only demonstrates his grace and compassion for the frailty of human nature in, in that he treats his servants with great patience. Only two things are required to fulfill God's will. Listen to his voice uh, as you read his word and then follow his directions implicitly. Gideon was at last ready to obey. Are you? Gideon had the perfect promises of God, the awesome revelation of his presence, and the clear evidence of his power to deliver and protect against the enemy. So, so Gideon's call was a manifestation of his unbelief. Gideon felt that he needed a fleece because he did not entirely believe the word of God. The fact that the Lord... Uh, complied with Gideon's request, does not sanctify the process. It merely shows God, God's grace toward uh, our persistent doubt. Gideon's fleece unveils a danger. 
the, the seriousness of which modern sign seekers uh, should be aware. A spiritual maturity is seen in its uh, truest sense when we are able to trust implicitly uh, in, in the already fully verified witness of the word spoken by God. God said, uh, uh, said what he would do. Uh, um, it was Gideon's duty to believe and obey. So beware of seeking the signs of the supernatural rather than seeking the supernatural Savior himself. Our flesh is weak and craves for signs. We have Jesus' spirit within us and his, his perfect word. And so, and so we have all the riches of wisdom and knowledge we need. Let us not be deluded by persuasive arguments. So a man was praying to God and said, Lord, I, wa I want a sign that you're with me and that everything will be okay. Suddenly, a voice boomed from heaven. My child, have faith and trust in me. I am with you always. The man thought for a moment and then said, But Lord, uh, can't you just send me a text message or something? Sometimes we may have doubts and, and want a sign to reassure us. But we must remember to have faith and trust in God's plan for our lives. After all, as the Bible says, faith is being sure of, of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Gideon was, was a man who was called by God to lead the Israelites in battle against their enemies. However, Gideon was hesitant and unsure if he was uh, truly being called by God. Uh, so he asked God for a sign. He, he placed a fleece of wool on the ground and asked, what if, uh, asked that if God truly wanted him to lead the Israelites, uh, the fleece would be wet with dew uh, in the morning while the ground around it was dry. The next morning, Gideon found the fleece soaked with dew while the ground around it was dry. However, Gideon was still unsure. So, so he asked for another sign, this time asking that the fleece would be dry while the ground around it was wet. And again, God gave him the sign he requested. The story of Gideon's fleece of faith teaches us an important lesson about trusting in God's will. Sometimes we may feel unsure about the path that God has set before us. We, we may question whether we are truly being called to do something, or, or we may doubt our abilities to carry out God's plan. But we must remember that uh, faith is not just about receiving signs from God. It is about trusting in God's will, even when things are difficult or uncertain. We must have faith that God will guide us and give us the strength we need to carry out his plan, even if we don't always understand it. 
So let us trust in God's plan, even when we are unsure. Let us trust that God will, will guide us and give us the strength we need to carry out his will. And let us remember that faith is not just about receiving signs from God, but about trusting in his plan for our lives. May we all have the courage to follow God's call, even when, when it takes us out of our comfort zones. He is, he is the same God today as he was with Gideon, and he is the same God today who, who has attested, who, who has been tested and can be trusted uh, um, to be who he says he is. He is the one true living God that will never leave you nor forsake you. Whether you need a fleece of faith or whether you have fleeceless faith, he is with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, we thank you for the story of Gideon and the lesson he teaches us about having faith in your plan. Sometimes we may feel unsure or doubtful about the path you have set before us, but we ask that you grant us the courage to trust in your will, even when things are difficult or uncertain. As we go out into the world, may we remember that faith is not just about receiving signs from you, but about trusting in your plan for our lives. Help us to have the faith to trust in your plan, even when we are unsure. May we follow your call and be obedient to your will, even when it takes us out of our comfort zones. We ask for your guidance and strength uh, as we navigate the challenges ahead. May we be a light for others and share your love with everyone we meet. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, amen.